chapter 4 tells us, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carillion, and around the throne was a rainbow which had the appearance of emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. Seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne... On each sides of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature like the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And the day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne. And worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were existed and were created. It's been an interesting week, hasn't it? It's been an interesting week for me. I've been trying to get ready for this morning, and I've been trying to figure out, okay, what's the sermon that I preach if Biden wins? And then what's the sermon that I preach if Trump wins? And then I have to go back and say, what if it's Biden? And what if it's Trump? Then what if it's Biden? Then what if it's Trump? And I'm going just back and forth, back and forth. What am I supposed to say to our people this morning? And then someplace I realized... Wouldn't it be easier just to prepare a sermon that's true no matter who wins? Wouldn't that be an easier way to unpack this week? Something that was timeless, something that had forever truth, something that had unshakable spiritual reality to it? Here's the good news this morning. God provides an unshakable reality in all our circumstances. That's this week. That's last week. That's next week. That's a decade ago. That's a decade in the future. In fact, it's every day that's ever existed. God provides an unshakable reality in all of our circumstances. Now, here's a job that I would like. You kind of wondered if I didn't have this job, what, what kind of job would I like? Here's the job that I would like. I would like to be the news anchor in heaven. I'd like to be the news anchor in heaven, and I would just pull out my notes. <clears throat> uh, this just in, God is in control. 
Thank you for watching the news tonight. I could walk over to the touch screen and I'd pull out the touch screen and I'd go here, here, here. And you see what this says? It says the one who has conquered sin and death is still in charge of everything. That's what the touch screen says right here. You see, I don't know that that's a real job in heaven. But, you know, if you put in a word for me, I'd, I'd appreciate it. But our text this morning, our text this morning actually does give us a picture of heaven. In fact, it tells us in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 that there is a door standing open in heaven. How cool is that? How often do we spend time thinking and wondering, I wonder what heaven's like. I wonder what, what, what goes on in heaven. I wonder what heaven looks like. I wonder what the experience of heaven is like. And then here in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, it tells us there's a door open into heaven. And the word comes to John. It says, come up here and see. I think John's words at this moment are, yes, please. Hey, there is a door open in heaven. Hey, there's just a little bit of a crack to look into. And there's an invitation that says, come up here and see. And John says, yes, please. And you and I, through the wonder of God's revelation, through the wonder of God's word, we get to look over John's shoulder. What's it like? What's it look like? What's it sound like? What's going on right there? Is there really a newsreader that clears his throat and says, God is still in control? Not so much. But we get this picture from the very word of God that says this is what heaven is like. So what do we learn from this picture this morning of this open door to heaven? that is part of the unshakable reality for all of our circumstances. The first thing that I think is really important to notice is that there exists two separate worlds today. You see here in Revelation chapter 4, it says, after this I looked. Now, as we just jump in right here and we're looking at Revelation chapter 4, and it says, after this, that there should be a little curiosity in your mind that says, okay, what is this? What is this after? What happens before the this? And what we have here, in particularly Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, is that we have these letters to the churches. And what we have is these letters to the churches are these chapters describing life on earth, particularly focused in the life of the church. And if you're familiar with these chapters at all, these letters that come from Jesus himself to these churches along the area there, along this path of ministry uh, there in, in modern day Turkey, and it gives us these images of what life is like on earth, what life is like in those churches, you know if you know these passages at all, you know it's, um, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Hey, there are times that God says to these churches, you're doing great. Keep up the good work. 
Well, there are other times that God says, man, if you don't fix that, I am coming to get you. There are highs, there are lows, there are wins, there are losses, there are celebrations, there are discouragement, there are things that are right, there are things that are wrong. Seems like a pretty familiar picture of what life is like here on earth, isn't it? It is as though we live in a world where the seal of God's perfection and holiness has been broken. And while there still is the fingerprints of the creation of the almighty perfect God that pervades this world, there is also the corruption that we can see in every single place. It's highs, it's lows, it's wins, it's losses, it's celebrations, it's discouragement. It's things that are right, it's things that are wrong. It is an accurate description of this world. But after this, a door is opened, and this chapter also provides a picture of heaven. And instead of having seven letters to seven churches with seven stories, what we discover here in the very throne room of heaven is one throne, one king, and one story. Did, did you see the picture? Did, did you hear the picture of this passage? There is the one who's seated on the throne and his appearance, and he sat there on the appearance with the, sat there on the throne, the appearance of Jasper and Carillion. You know what that looks like. And around the throne was, well, there was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And then there's the 24 thrones and the 24 elders who are clothed in white with gold crowns on their head. And from the throne comes the flashes of lightning, the rumblings, and the peals of thunder. And before the throne are the seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there's like a sea of crystal, of glass like crystal. And then there's the four creatures who look like your typical lion an ox, and man, an eagle, if the ox could fly and had eyes in his front and his back and all of those kinds of things. Poor John. He gets invited into the throne room. He gets invited into the center of heaven and the door is open. Come up here. Wow. And then he's told, write it down. Like, what? How do I take what I've just seen and write it down on pen and paper in a way that anyone can understand? You see, I, I think that when you read these descriptions, when you read these descriptions, we're not intended to get out a sketchbook and start to draw the pictures. We are supposed to understand, okay, this doesn't fit on a sketchbook. This is unlike anything we have ever seen. It is impossible to capture this because God is greater than anything that we've ever seen, imagined, thought of, experienced. There is not math that gets us from where we are to where he is. Now, there are the 24 elders who, who, who sit on the thrones in white with their golden crowns. Who are the 24 elders? It doesn't matter. They're not the one on the throne. 
In fact, it so much doesn't matter that they take these golden crowns that they have and as soon as the praise is lifted up to Jesus and it happens to be lifted up to Jesus around the clock, as soon as the praise is lifted up to Jesus, they take whatever mattered to them, whatever is important, it just doesn't matter anymore and they throw their crowns before Jesus. They don't matter. Jesus is the one that matters in the story. Well, I wonder what that kind of worship would look like if we took these things that seemed like they mattered to us and then we took a look at Jesus and then we suddenly realized that they don't matter at all. Titles, stuff, Achievements, recognitions, relationships, dreams, all of it. We take a look at Jesus. We just throw it to him and say, this stuff doesn't matter. You're Jesus. This passage reminds us that there are two worlds. One that is broken and it's full of wins and losses, highs and lows, things that are right, things that are wrong. And then this other world that we may not be able to see with our eyes in this moment that is perfect. And it is so focused on Jesus that nothing else matters. It's timeless truth. But I would also tell you that not only do these two worlds exist, but that God is the connection between the two worlds. You see, it may seem like that world that throne room, that, that place where Jesus' his name is lifted up to perfection, it, it may seem like that world is literally a world away. But God, from the very beginning, has made it his task to connect those two worlds. Do you remember the opening pages of the Word of God? It tells us that he created the Garden of Eden. He placed Adam and Eve in that place and that he came and he walked with them in the cool of the evening. From the first pages, he was connecting that world to this world. Several pages later in the Word of God, it tells us the story of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, and things go absolutely upside down inside of his family. And because of some conniving and some deceit and all those kinds of things, Jacob runs away for his life. I don't know if you've ever run away for your life. I mean, I don't mean just a little bit scared, somebody's mad, but this is running away from your life. You're running away because your family is going to kill you. As he runs away, he's not just running away for his life, he's not just running away from his family, but the blessings of God. They belong to Isaac, they belong to Abraham, they belong to that family. The blessings of God are back there and Jacob is running there. And there is this question as he runs for his life. Will I ever see the presence of God again 
And that first night on the run, Jacob falls asleep. God gives him a vision. And there is a set of stairs or a ladder with the angels going up and down. But it's important to know where those angels start. They start in heaven. And they come here. Because God sends a message that says, I will continue to connect the world of heaven to this world. And I will continue to be a bridge. And I will continue to make myself known. And you will not be cut off from me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves in the fiery furnace, isolated because of their refusal to bow down to a pagan leader. And they're thrown into the fiery furnace, isolated, separated, under severest punishment. Not only do they live, but they live because inside of that furnace, when they look, it's not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there is a fourth man in the fire because God has connected heaven to this world. In Ezekiel chapter 1, the people find themselves in captivity in Babylon. They have been separated from their land. They have been separated from their history. They have been separated from the temple. Oh, the temple that they believe is the whole key to their faith. They're separated from the temple and they find themselves in evil, awful Babylon and they wonder, will we ever hear from God? And God gives Ezekiel a vision and it's a little bit like the vision around the throne. And it's kind of known as the, the, the vision of the wheels. And it is the presence of God. And it talks about the wheels. And it talks about the wheels. And as you look at it again, throw away your sketchbook. You're not going to be able to draw it. But in that one, I would tell you that those wheels matter because it says that presence of God is not isolated to the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem, but the presence of God moves and the presence of God will still come to you even when you are in captivity and you are separated from all the things that you love and that you care for because God connects the heaven above with this world here. And the greatest expression of that is when Jesus himself, God himself, leaves heaven, becomes flesh, and he dwells among us. Took on human form because he was to guarantee that he would connect the world of heaven with this broken world. God has been connecting that world with this world from the very first pages of our existence. But I would also tell you that that connection goes both ways because that connection also goes just as much from here to heaven as it does from heaven to here. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Listen to this. This is about you, believer. This is about us. It says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, hold fast. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us then... With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. 
Because of the work of Jesus, when he became flesh and he dwelt among us, when he died on that cross for us, when he was raised again, because of that, through him, we can walk into that very throne room from that other world that John has just painted a picture to us. There are two worlds that exist today. But God has been the bridge that has been connecting those two from the very beginning of time. There exists two worlds, but he connects the two and is our bridge. There is good news, my friends, that God gives us unshakable reality in all of our circumstances. But I would also tell you that it is our task. I would also tell you that it is our task to make this world look like that world. That's what our task is. That's what our assignment is. As you think about the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, at the heart of that prayer is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we talk about that here, that a joyful disciple joyfully and increasingly embraces the patterns, priorities, and purpose of Jesus. That's what it means to have his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, in heaven it's perfect. The 24 elders, everyone else who's there, bows down, worships him. Every creature, every voice, every being, every everything bows down to him. Here, eh, not so much. But here's the task. It is for me to help make this world look more like that. And I may not be able to change the entire world. But how about I just start with me? And that I make sure that in my heart, he rules completely over every aspect of my life. And I don't wait till I get to heaven until I turn over my life to him. You see, in that same Lord's Prayer, he talks about our daily bread. He talks about forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He, he, he talks about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He talks about our daily dependence on him, our spiritual uh, protection. He, he talks about personal holiness. This is all about choosing Jesus over everything and making this world look more like that world. And I want to revisit worship. Remember I asked, what would it be like if we gathered in worship and we took everything that mattered to us, our titles, our stuff, our reputations, our dreams, our relationships, our recognitions, what would it look like if we took all of those things and we threw those at the feet of Jesus because what I want you to know is that when we gather in corporate worship, when we gather in corporate praise, not just singing songs together, but when we gather in a corporate recognition that Jesus is the Holy One, He is the one who's worthy above everything else, that when we have Jesus-centered worship, it is the closest to heaven that we ever get until we're there.
And if you and I believe that as his people we're going to spend eternity there, it wouldn't hurt for us to start getting in shape. I mean, if that's what we're doing for eternity, we ought to start to develop a taste for it. We ought to start to really crave worship. I'm not saying that worship is the only thing a church does. But boy, better do it. It's the center. It's the core of who we are. And we get to do it together every week. There are two worlds. He connects the two. It's our task to make this one look more like that one. It's unshakable reality, no matter our circumstances. So what's the now what this morning? Maybe you don't need this this morning, and maybe I'm talking to somebody who's on Facebook. Maybe I'm talking to someone for the second service. Maybe this isn't for you. But let me just give you a couple items for application. First thing, man, take a deep breath. No, really, let's do it together. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now, here are some things that can help. There's some noise out there. You don't have to listen to all of it. I walked away from Facebook months ago. It brought no joy to my life. It didn't build up any relationships for me. Those were the things it was supposed to do. It was like recreationally listening to other people have other arguments. I don't need that. I'm going to tell you, you don't either. Man, check in on your cousins. That's fine. But man, if you went three days without checking Facebook, you would have some fresh air in your life. I would also tell you that just because it says it's a 24-hour news network doesn't mean you got to check them to make sure that they're on for 24 hours. You can check in and check out. Whether you are Fox or CNN or MSNBC, I am highly doubtful that you ever walk away from hours in front of that box. And say, boy, do I feel closer to Jesus now. We can chuckle about it. But we're feeding ourselves with the stuff of this world instead of that world. And so how do we look more like that world when we gorge ourselves on this world? Secondly, in terms of an application, man, you just got to trust them. You got to trust them. Listen, when, when people walk through 
really hard times. You have heard people say, and it is quite possible that you have said, I don't know how people without their faith walk through these days. I don't know how people who don't have Jesus as the center of their life walk through these days. Just while I'm walking into hot water, I haven't heard anybody say that in terms of politics. I haven't heard anybody say, boy, it's crazy out there, but I'm okay because I've got Jesus. We live more like, I got to make sure this thing turns out okay politically so Jesus will be okay. Um, no. No. Trust him. He's been here before. He has seen this before. He's okay. And you're okay. Okay, we're going to turn it up just a notch. Hear me, church. Hear me, church, from my pastor's heart. Know that our kingdom influence is so much more powerful than the ballot box. If we want to make a difference for Jesus in this world, I can't even get to the number where that ballot box changes the world. It is when we adopt the patterns, the priorities, and the purpose of Jesus with increasing intensity and joy in our life. It's when we love our neighbors, when we speak truth, when we live an expression inside of our church like they did for Joplin finally at the third church that he went to. That's how we change this world. Joplin's life wasn't ever changed because somebody voted for the right candidate. It was changed because someone showed him Jesus. You want to change this world and make this world more look, look like that world? Don't be distracted by ballot boxes. Now maybe I should have said this last week. Maybe I should have said this a year ago. But we are so locked up in our politics. That prior to election, anything that I say is interpreted. Well, that means because he's for this or he's for this or he's voting for this person. Listen, the voting's done. So I can tell you that what I'm saying has got nothing to do with who's on the ballot. It has to do with the work of the church and the nature and the identity of the kingdom of God. Next time there's an election, go vote. But just understand, that's not where the power and the tools for changing the world for the kingdom of God is. Let me tell you, on your way out this morning, where we're going to solve a problem for our community. Our community is going to look bare without all of these yard signs. It's just going to be, how are we going to drive around without yard signs? So we're going to help solve that. 
Here's the yard sign we're going to give you to put out in your neighborhood, in your driveway, for your neighbors to see. It says, how can we pray for you? And there's a phone number there that will be directed to our church for a prayer line. I don't know how many people are going to respond to it. I hope that it's enough people that we got to start calling you and saying, listen, the prayer requests are coming in. We need people to pray. Right, right now, we, we, we've got it covered. But what your neighbors need is not who to vote for. They need to know that somebody will pray for them. And that changes the world. We didn't really plan to do this on this Sunday but we had so much stuff last week. But this is what we're for. To be a spiritual presence during spiritual work in this world. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I want us to get this right. I want me to get this right. Lord, I want our church, your church, to get this right. Oh, elections matter. But not nearly as much as the work of the kingdom and the work of the church. And Lord, I pray that we would not be distracted from the work that we're supposed to be doing. Lord, we thank you that you give us unshakable truth. We thank you, Lord, that there are two worlds and we're not just limited by what we see in this place. And we thank you that you connect heaven to this world now Lord I pray that you would help us to make this world look more like that world we pray this in your name amen I want to encourage you as we respond you just hear what God has to say in your life whether you need that deep breath whether you need, I don't know what it is that you need. Whether you just need to be reminded of that other world. Or challenged about what our task is in this world. I'm going to be at the back table at the end of the service. And I'd love to talk to you about spiritual stuff. I'd love to talk to you about the ultimate way in which Jesus connects this world to his world. Right.